Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, December the 2nd, 2022. It is currently 3.39 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where it's almost 80 degrees. Isn't that how, that's how every day should feel, right? Every day in December, January, February, every day of the year, it should be about 76, 77 degrees. I, I, that's, that's what I think. But it's a, it's a beautiful day outside here in West Texas. There's not a, I don't think there's even a cloud in the sky. It's blue. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. It's beautiful outside, but it's not so beautiful once again here inside the studio. Because I am dealing with a little bit of frustration, and that frustration is directed at myself. So many times I start a series, right? And in most cases, it wasn't ever even intended to actually be a series, right? I'm like, oh, I need to address that. And as soon as we start addressing it, it's like, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That leads to this, that leads to this, that leads to this. All right, so I need to cover this, or I need to talk about this, or I need to do another episode. And the next thing you know, you have a series on your hands. And sometimes it wasn't even designed to turn into that. So that that is a good thing because I love this podcast to feel very organic, not all mapped out and rehearsed and planned and overproduced. And no, I like it to be very real. So on that, on that hand, I'm very happy with myself and I love it. But here's what happens. Sometimes because it's kind of very organic and kind of just develops, sometimes that natural development just seems to flow really well. And when I'm done, I'm like, wow. I think that went really, I think that was good. That was awesome. I like the way it started. I like the way it developed. I like the way it ended. Everything was great. But there are other times a series begins to develop, right? It kind of begins to develop. And somewhere in the middle of the series, at least for me, I feel like, man, I lost I think I lost the plot here. I think I think I I think I I don't know where this is really headed and I, now I feel like I've kind of messed up and I maybe I should have stopped and figured it out a little bit better and planned it out a little bit better. Then I then I get mad at myself and like, man, what did I do? I had such a great opportunity here and I blew it and I messed up. But but at the same time, sometimes to correct that destroys the, the vibe I want this podcast to have. I want, I want it to feel very, like very just, just raw and, and gritty and, and not perfect and not all polished and, and produced. There's, there's millions of podcasts like that. I want it to be more like just a person sitting. And I, and I, and I try to describe it this way. I'm just a sinner sitting, sitting in front of a microphone and that's Siri. She hears the word sinner and she thinks I'm talking to her. Still working. She's still still working. All right, so I got to wait for her to get done here. All right. Oh, it's so irritating. Okay. All right, I think it's done. Oh, I know what to do. Let's see. All right, there we go. That got rid of it. Okay. I let me so let me try this this again. I want this podcast because I've described it this way in so many times. I apologize for that rude introduction from the sinner who, whenever I say that word, they think I'm talking about them. That's so irritating. All right. But I like to describe this podcast as a sinner sitting in front of a microphone, just trying to figure this thing out that we, this, this thing we call Christianity out. I'm just a sinner sitting in front of a microphone, trying to figure this thing we call Christianity out. And I try to be open and honest with my own failures, my own struggles, and my own lack of understanding certain things. You, you hear my frustration and in, and you hear a lot of times that I obviously, I, I, I'm not in line with a lot of thinking that's out there within Christianity because once again, I feel like someone just sends out a memo and everyone just steps in line. It's like, here's the template. I don't like the template. I don't follow the memos. I'm just a sinner sitting in front of a microphone trying to figure this thing we call Christianity out. 
I stumble, I fall, and I, and I and I I like the podcast just to hear me trying to figure things out. I throw out my hypotheses, I throw out my theories, I throw out my perspective, and I always invite you to be very much a part of the conversation, right? I give out the email address. I don't try to hide behind the microphone. I always try to respond to your emails and I try to address them. But so on one hand, I don't want to ever ruin that. Now you could say, well, you could still maintain that, but you could do a little bit better here. And, you, and I know I could, but I'm always afraid. In some ways, the imperfections, the stumbling, the fumbling, sometimes I think adds to what I'm trying to do. I know you may disagree, but I really believe that. But the point is, sometimes I'll start a series and then I'll get somewhere in it and I'm like, man, well, I, I, I should have, I should have planned it this way. I should have done, I shouldn't have done that. Man, I took the wrong turn here. Like I can look back and realize, mm, that's where I messed up. That's where I messed up. Now, a lot of times it's just me trying to process and interpret my own feelings about it. And there, the, the listener is not feeling the same thing, right? Because sometimes I may feel like, oh, that was good. And the listeners are like, that was straight garbage. That was one of the worst series he's, he's ever done. And then there's other times where I'm like, man, this is trash. And then I'll get an email going, I really appreciate that series. That was amazing. So basically, I have no idea half the time what is going on. But in the current series that we're working on, which is so, 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 so very important, I don't want to feel this, but I'm feeling it, all right? The series that we're working on is, we're calling the series Women, Submission, and Abuse. And it all started because of a news article in regards to a woman who attended John MacArthur's church, all the horrible things that happened, how she felt the church did not help her. It was, it's a horrible story, right? And we remember, we never wanted to make it about MacArthur or Grace Community. We wanted to just make it about the, the general, just a more broader topic of just women in general and the doctrine of submission and abuse in the church and how all of this is just... It's, it's a serious issue that is messy. It raises so many questions. And in many cases, there's not easy answers. But we've made it seven parts. This is part eight. And somewhere in here, I feel like that I have let everyone down. But, but again, at the same time, I feel like it's been very real. It's been very real. So, so I, 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 I hate that, that feeling. I hate that feeling. But here we are. Here we are. So all I can do is take that feeling and say, look, if you feel like I've not handled this correctly, or if you feel like I lost the plot somewhere, I apologize. I think I made a bad decision in part seven. I really do. And part seven, I decided to take the email that really was a very, a, a catalyst for this series. I was going to address the MacArthur story, but this really was, the email was the catalyst for me really trying to dig into this a little bit more. And I I probably, apart, either I should have read the email earlier on in the series or waited till the end, whenever I felt like I had, I had done what I wanted to do. But I decided to introduce it in part seven, which now I feel like I made I made a mistake there. I, I really do. But I'm, we're going to go back to that email and we're going to try to finish it. And I may try to approach my reading of the email a little bit different. But it really captures at least one person, a woman's struggle with, some, with a lot of the issues that relate to this series. Uh, first, it's a woman. All right. So there's check number one. Number two, she has struggled with the whole subject of submission. So you've, you've got at least two aspects in her email that covers all of this, all right? And um, yeah, and, and well, they, they say a lot of things, but, but it, uh, and whenever you get to the submission subject, it really, it's, I don't care what anyone says, it's connected to the abuse that many women have faced in their, mar in their Christian marriages and how the church has handled it. So all of it's very much related. So I, what I did is I read the first paragraph and then I immediately went to like, I think it was 1 Timothy 2 and started looking at some of the scripture that I thought they were referencing. And I tried to answer the question that way. 
I will make some references back to those scriptures, but I think what I'm going to try to do here in part eight, and see, once again, you just hear me talking it out, is I'm just going to read through the whole email. No matter how long this takes, and I'm just going to try to answer the questions to the best of my ability, and then we'll see where we want to go with the series as we advance and as we move forward. We still got to do a little, a lot of work on the submission concept, exactly what it, does it entail, what does it not entail. And that fits in perfectly with uh, some of the things we've discussed in regards to the subject of fear that we're doing for the Bible study exercise, which again, so many of our series are connected, which I, I love. Not everyone always catches on to all of that, but are you ready? So let's try to do this. I'm going to set aside my frustration and my own feelings of failure and inadequacy. And once again, just be the sinner sitting in front of a microphone, trying to figure this thing out that we call Christianity and try to understand how women submission and abuse and how we should try to understand this and handle all of this in a biblical way within Christianity. You may agree or disagree, but we're going to at least hear the words of one woman as she shares some of her struggles and frustrations with some of the very same things. Are you ready? So here we go. First paragraph. I've studied all the scriptures that say women should submit to men. Some specifically refer to husbands and wives, while others just refer to men and women in general. I listened to a sermon that used many Bible verses to say women should never be in authority over men, whether it be in the church, the government, the workplace, or any situation. In other words, this pastor said that the same reasons that women are not to be trusted to teach and lead in the church are the same reasons that women should not be trusted to teach and lead in all walks of life. Now, again, I just don't, I don't understand how you can say a woman can't be trusted to teach or to lead in the church. I don't think it has anything to do with trust. I think God sets up a system and it has, you can't say a woman can't be trusted. I, I have said this so many times in all of my years of Christianity when it comes to talking doctrine or theology, other than say men who are studying for ministry. But I'm just saying, if you have a, a lay person, one's a man, one's a woman, almost hands down, Almost hands down, I will. I would listen to a woman and their discuss their thoughts about doctrine, theology, church history, and scripture before I would a man, because the women tend to be more humble, more thoughtful, more studied, better read. I, I, I just, I, I, and I know men get offended when I say that, but that's just my experience. People, people cannot like it. But look, if I'm ever in a in a church setting, a group of people. If, if I would rather talk to the women about doctrine and theology. Men come at it with such an egotistical, arrogant, argumentative. It's just, oh, it's nauseating. It's nauseating most of the time. And it's just like, whatever. It's like, it's more about winning an argument than finding truth. And it, 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 I've just always experienced this. And and I, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I can say. I don't know what I can say. So I don't like it to say that, that a woman can't be trusted to teach or lead. I don't think it has anything to do with trust. I think it has to do, God set up a system. We don't have to understand it. We don't even have to like it. It's just what it is. He seems to make it very clear that he does not allow a woman to teach or usurp authority over a man within the church. And, and I'm going to stress this, that so many of these commands about a woman not having authority are not teaching, they clearly relate to the church. They typically are found in, well, first, epistles written to a church or written to someone about, like to Timothy, here's how you here's how you basically are to be in charge of the church. Here are the requirements for people to be in charge. Here's what should and shouldn't be done. To Titus, Timothy, Titus, Corinthians, they're all letters directed towards how to govern the church or correcting a church. So I don't think we can rip those things out of context and apply them elsewhere. But I, I just I just don't want a woman. Women should never feel like, well, the Bible doesn't. Women can't be trusted, or women are incapable. It's such. I just don't believe that. I don't believe that in any way, shape, or form. Maybe God does not 
has not set up a system for the women to take those roles, but any man who's ever in a role, in any theological pursuit or thinking should listen to the thoughts and opinions of women. I'm not saying that the women should be in authority, but in many cases they have very profound insights to scripture, to doctrine, to theology. In many cases, better insight. I've said it before. I've, there's been plenty of times where uh, women have had better insights into a scripture than I ever could have or would have. And you can say, well, uh, what's your problem? It, it has nothing to do with that. It has, it has nothing to do with, I'm a man, so I'm, I'm smart. It's, well, I, don't need, I don't even understand that way of thinking. So I, I, I feel bad that this woman had to hear someone basically act like, or at least she felt, I don't know what was actually said, but she at least felt that women should not be trusted. And was felt to, to that you could not be trusted to teach or to lead in all walks of life. I don't think you can derive that from Scripture. Now, yes, it's very true. Scripture was written in a culture where women would not have been teaching and leading in life. Obviously, that is the case. Obviously, that is the case. But I believe in many cases the New Testament even went against some of the societal norms. Who were the, who were the eyewitnesses to the resurrection? It was women. Well, that's mind-blowing because women wouldn't even have been considered a, a, a trustworthy eyewitness in society. I don't, her opinion wouldn't even have mattered. So I, I think that there are some things done in the New Testament that even went, went against some of those societal norms. But if you look for specific teaching in Scripture, I think it's saying this is how it works in the church. Now, we don't have to like it. But that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. And we have to deal with it. So they say this. My question is, is this the way God desires our society to be ordered? Or does it just refer to positions of authority in the church? Do these scriptures apply only within the church leadership or to the Christian life in general out, uh, out in the world? In my job, I was an authority over several men and women. I had more education, experience, and was just more qualified, hence my position to supervise and teach them. Was this violating God's order of the way God wants our society to function? Well, number one, to, to try to say this is how society should function would mean we would have to impose biblical morality upon lost people, which would be what, what, which is a form of Christian nationalism or a Christian theocracy, which I utterly reject in any way, shape, or form. Now, you could say, you could argue, well, no, the Christian women, Christian women, if they have to be in society in the work world, they can never be an authority. They can never take a position of authority. They always have to be in a position of submission, and they're never to have any seniority or leadership over a man. Well, one, you would have to just basically get your job when you go for your interview. I can't be in charge of any men. Okay, I, I think at some point it wouldn't even work out in any way, shape, or form. Some would argue the woman shouldn't even be in the workplace. She should be sitting at home. But then what happens if the woman is single? Uh, yeah, the whole, the whole thing, because, uh, I mean, not, not everyone, not, the Bible seems to indicate not everyone should be single. Some, some, not everyone should be married. Some have the gift of singleness. So you have to deal with that. So I, I don't know how that would work. I don't even know how it would work in society. You can't impose it on society. And I don't know how a Christian woman, let's say she's single, how is she supposed to function in the work world saying, I can't be in charge of anyone? You know, well, what if she's just supposed to take a job? Is like, I don't know. She can't even pursue a, a decent job. I, I think there's just so many issues with it. But the Bible doesn't seem to call for that. It seems to call for how to operate within the church and within the home. To me, the passages of Scripture that deal with the woman submitting, not teaching, not being an authority, the two places it seems to indicate this in Scripture is in the church and in the home, not in the work world. One, because the Bible would not have even understood, when the Bible was written, that concept of the woman working in the world, per se, would not have ever been completely even understood, so it did not even really address it in any meaningful way. So I don't think you can take scriptures that clearly are referencing the church and the home, rip them out of context and say, a woman can't do anything. I think that that is Oh, I think it's abuse. I think it's I think it's abuse in the sense that you're placing a a burden 
and a rule on people that I don't think is is applicable to Scripture. So in that sense, it's abusing people by placing rules on them that's not actually in the Bible. So I, I just don't think that that's the case. All right, it says... Uh, uh, is if that's the case as Christians, why do we even send our daughters to college or encourage them to have careers that they would become successful managers and surely have some men under them? Yeah, exactly. If, if this is the way it's supposed to work, the woman would just basic, and this is how some churches teach it. The woman's just supposed to stay at home. She's to get married young and then stay at home, have babies and work in the kitchen and work in the home, the end, and never do anything else. Now, now, you can, now, you could argue that the biblical model seems to lean that way. Women are to be keepers of the home, that that's their first responsibility. And there's nothing, let's make it very clear. This is very, 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 very important. Okay, this is very important. On one hand, a Christian woman who decides to stay at home, be a keeper of the home, raise children, do those things. They, they should never be looked down upon. They should be celebrated and praised for such a noble, a noble profession and a noble endeavor because that is very godly and the scripture clearly supports that, that the women are to be keepers of the home and to do these types of things. There's no way to get around that. That is, that is clearly the biblical model. The biblical model is basically that the wife, that the woman gets married, not, not obviously not in all cases, because Paul talks about those who, who, who have the gift of being single, all right, and the advantages that can come with that. But typically, it seems the basic, the biblical model, if we were to try to outline what the biblical model looks like, it would be the woman getting married at home with children, raising them, and taking care of the things of the home, where the man is to go out and be the provider and the, the spiritual leader within the home. That is, that is basically kind of what the biblical model looks like. I don't think there's any way to get around that, and no one should be condemned for pursuing that, right? But we also know that Christianity exists in a very, 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 very different culture. That doesn't excuse in any way compromising the biblical idea, but it just means that obviously things are going to happen and there's going to be situations. So, if a woman decides that she is going to enter into the work world, I don't think she's under any, 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 any obligation to take these biblical passages about the woman's responsibility in the home or her, her, her submission in the home and her not teaching have authority in the church and bring that into the work world in society. I don't think that's biblical. Now, you could the question you could ask then, should a woman pursue these outside of the home things? Should they? Well, the biblical model obviously doesn't take that into consideration because it wouldn't have been much of a wouldn't have been much of an issue at that time because the woman would not have had much responsibility, would not have had many opportunities, I, I should say, because this, it was designed to be this way. Things are different today. I don't think it's wrong. I would not say it's wrong for a woman to pursue that in any way, shape, or form. Um, I, I don't think it, it, it can. Now, the, I think that both the husband and wife would have to consider what the implications of that means for the home, what that possibly means if they have children, how that's going to work, and what's the best way they can glorify God and be obedient to the, the biblical concepts, the biblical commands in that type of setting. And I don't think that woman should be looked down upon as being ungodly or not spiritual either. Okay, now I know some some is going some is, are going to be strongly disagree with this, but just make sure we understand this. The Bible seems to outline here's kind of the way it's supposed to work. It's not very dogmatic and says things like, "If the woman gets a job outside of the home, she is a sinner." Doesn't seem to say that. What it seems to say is this is how it. Here is the. The, the, the way it's supposed to look. Now it's it's again, it's not always dogmatic. It's just describing in the in the hall in the church, the woman's position is one of submission, humility, quietness, learning, respect. That's that's where it is. Not in a place of leadership. In the home, she's to be submissive. And again, 
not in the place of leadership. That seems to be the way the biblical model outlines itself. I don't think there's any way to get around that. So those things could still be clearly in consideration and pursuing those things while the woman is still working outside of the home. Now, some would argue, some would argue um, that Titus chapter 2 Verse, let's go here, verse three, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. This is Titus chapter two, verse three, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may, they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So the, the older women are to teach the younger women to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Keepers at home. This is Titus 2. Let's go with verse 5. Titus 2, 5. I'm going to look at this up in every English translation on earth to see how they describe it. All right. Titus 2, 5. I'm going to go to BibleHub.com, all right? And this is how it's translated. New International, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home. To be busy at home, all right? That, that, see, that's not some dogmatic. You cannot have a job outside of the house. You cannot pursue a career. You just must be in the kitchen. It just says busy at home, right? In other words, she will have responsibilities at the home. Um, new Living, Work in their homes. Now, that one's a little bit more, to work in their homes. Now, is that saying that's all they can do? Or it just says a woman has the resp certain responsibilities in the home. ESV, working at home. The Now, the Berean study says managers of their households. Now, that's interesting. Managers of their household, which you would seem seems to place the woman with some authority in the home over certain things. Maybe not over her husband, but over certain things, over certain tasks, over certain responsibilities. Um, keepers at home is the Brian literal. King James, uh, keepers at home. New King James Version, homemaker. New American, workers at home. New American, workers at home. New American, 1977, workers at home. Uh, amplified Bible, Makers of a home. Makers of a home. So I, I, I think that some takes this phrase and just immediately like, that's where the woman has to be. And I don't know if that's a, a, fair, a fair rendering of it. Clearly, the biblical model. So I think it's very fair to say. And, and listen, the woman who stays at home, and that's what she pursues. She gives her life to her family, to her children, managing the home. That is honorable. That is godly. That should be celebrated. That should be praised. That's a, an amazing thing because she's giving up other pursuits for what is a very noble and godly cause. So we should, and no one should ever be looked down upon that or feel guilty or to may feel like you've wasted your life. You're doing a great thing. However, those who work outside of the home, I don't think should be condemned or belittled or viewed as unspiritual or lack spiritual maturity because I believe that there's a, a way that they can do that. They just have to consider all the implications of then their responsibilities at home. Look, I don't care if it's the husband. I don't care if it's the wife. This, this is just the truth. The reality is the husband and the wife, we fall short maybe of what God calls us to be and should do and should be in those, that area of life. Now, it doesn't excuse our sin, but we have to just realize there's these things that happen and we have to constantly be pursuing and challenging and thinking these things through. So I think that there, a woman, you say, can a woman pursue this outside career? I think she can. I think she has to take into consideration these other factors, these other issues, and see how that can work. And there aren't any easy answers. Once again, you're taking something, and th this is 
This is so difficult for some people to comprehend. There's so many issues in life that was not even in consideration, didn't even exist at the time the Bible was written. It didn't even exist. So we have to take these biblical principles and try to say, how do we apply them in a modern context? We shouldn't compromise the scriptures. See, some people are going to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying that it creates difficulties. You're like, okay, well, wait a minute. Okay, well, what about this? 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 Now, some people want to just throw out everything and basically, you know, try to go back and live like it's, you know, 50 AD. But I, I think that that in some cases there's there, there that that's I don't think we're called to try to do that. I think we're trying to call what how can we fulfill to the best of our abilities these scriptures and the context in which we are without compromising or watering the scriptures down. And I think keepers of the home means they have a responsibility of the home. Doesn't say they can't do anything. I don't think it's forbidding anything else. I don't think that that's fair. Now, some will say, well, wait a minute. If you've got a full-time job, can you truly be a keeper of the home? Some may try. That's that's something every woman will have to struggle with. There isn't any easy answer there. I don't think there's an easy answer there. And I know in a, in, in a 2022 context, the fact that we would even be considering how does this actually play out would be considered like anathema and we would be considered like, horrible human beings, but it's something we have to try to figure out exactly how, what that looks like. I'm trying my best to say, look, most, uh, first of all, I'm going to just be very clear and try to say this. I'm going to repeat myself. The scriptures that talk about submission, uh, not, not uh, submission, not having authority and not teaching that refers to inside the church and the home. All right. That, that's, that, that, that's what it's dealing with. And the woman has a, if she is to be a keeper of the home, she has a responsibility there, but I don't think that there is a clear prohibition or condemnation of a woman working outside of the home. She just has to consider these other responsibilities and how to fulfill that in a biblical way. And I don't have any easy answers for that. All right? Next, Paul says that the woman was deceived, not the man. Is he saying women don't have the discernment or wisdom that good leadership or teachers would require? I, said, I don't think it has anything saying, hey, therefore the woman can't be trusted. It just seems to be saying this happened. And because this happened, here's how God has structured things. I don't think I, we can't read into the text. All right. I, I don't think we can read into the text. I mean, men have shown just as much a lack of discernment as women. I don't think there's any even close. I don't think there's anything close to be able to say, oh, the woman doesn't have any discernment, but the man does. I think that's ridiculous. No, 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 no. I think, I think it just, I think it's just more of a matter of this is the way it was. This is what happened. And now this is how things are structured. I, I, I think that that's just very important to see. And I think... Uh, hang on, let me see here. I could be wrong. I believe that is found. Yes. Um, first Timothy two eleven. let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence for Adam was first formed. Then Eve and Adam was not deceived, but he, but the woman being deceived was in transgression, notwithstanding. It just says, see, that's all it says. It doesn't say she's unworthy or she can't do this, or she lacks the ability, or she doesn't have the discernment. It's just like this happened. And now here's how things work. I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's in any way. I think we just have to let the text say what the text says. And, and it doesn't give an explanation per se. The, it's, it's almost like, here's the, here's the long-term consequence of that wrong. All right. Uh, it says, Paul says that a woman was deceived, not the man. Is he saying women don't have the discernment or wisdom that good leadership or teachers would require? I just, I don't believe that's what it's saying. Pastors always say that men and women are equally important, but as a woman, it doesn't feel that way to me. 
is that just my sinful ego that that thinks this way? Well, I think every situation you have to consider what's being said, how they're saying it, and what the implications of their words have in the setting which you find yourself. I I, I think it depends. I I I, I think. It depends on how men are saying it and what they're what they're what, what they what they mean by what they say. So I would have to look at every situation. We, I know this. For everything you may feel that could possibly be coming from your sinful ego, well, guess what? Men struggle with their sinful egos in the exact same way. We all struggle with e- ego. So you have to always look at each situation and go, okay, what was actually said? Okay, let me hear the words that were said, not not my feelings about those words. And then what are the implications of those words and what's being put into place? And you may sometimes feel like, wait a minute, I don't think they're treating me as an equal. And if they're not, why not? Um, do I lack humility? We all probably lack humility in some way. I think I don't. I think we all do. So here's the here's the two things true of all of us. We all have ego and we all have pride. And we all struggle with it. I can't say that you're struggling with that in those specific situations because I would have to, it would require, like, I would have to know every single detail. There would be situations you would tell me, be like, whoa, that's messed up. That has nothing to do on you. And there may be other situations where I'd be like, well, I think maybe you're being a little sensitive there. It may be pride. It may be ego. And that, but see, that's not something about you. That's something about all of us. I find myself in situations where it's my ego talking. I find in situations where it's my pride talking. I've I've been there with both all the time. Same man, I'm assuming you have as well. It says, I am not sure, but it's bothered me my entire Christian life. As a single mother who was abandoned by my husband, I had to have wisdom, discernment, and strength to raise, teach, and protect my children. Now, here we go. Now, look, here's this. See? So many times, this this is the problem. Let me try to explain this. And whenever I try to explain this, I think people feel like that I'm attacking Scripture, but I'm not. Scripture, and I've, I've said this in so many series, when Scripture gives us law, right? It's very black and white, right? Typically, it's very, do this, that's a sin. Don't do that, right? It tells you, do this. If you do this, it's a sin. Don't do that. Or you must do this. And if you don't do it, it's a sin. It's just very black and white. This, God says, don't do this. God says, you should do this. If you don't do what he tells you, you're sinning. If you do what he tells, what, if you do what he has forbidden you to do, or you're prohibited to do, you're a sin. You're, you're a sinner. You have entered into sin. It's a sin. It just seems sometimes very black and white. And in many cases, there, the Bible is not very good. Like, it gives you the rules, but it doesn't do a lot of help with, well, what happens when the rules are broken? What happens when everything blows up, right? Like, the rules look great. The laws look great. Until we get involved, then there's sin. There is failure. And sin and failure always complicates everything. And what happens, the Bible in many cases doesn't say, well, if you commit this sin or if you, this sin happens, or if this sin or the, it doesn't chart it out. All right, if you commit this sin, here are the four steps you have to take. Here's what you can no longer do. Here's what you can still do. Here's the ramifications of this. And we see, not only do we deal, this, this shows up everywhere, but it, it, it shows up not only in the idea of what a woman can or cannot do, because, well, now if her husband abandons her, Well, clearly the husband is not supposed to abandon her. That would be considered sin, right? Well, now she's the victim of that sin, but now she's a single mom. She's got to go out and get a job, right? She's got to provide for her family. So you can't say, well, she should be a keeper of the home, right? And in some cases, maybe she wouldn't even, maybe in some cases, scripturally, she couldn't even get remarried. Okay, well now, guess what? What does she do? What What does she do? Now you could argue well, then the church should step up and, and, and support her 100%. The church should step up, pay all of her bills, provide her everything she needs so that she can be home with the children and she can be a homemaker. See, churches talk a big game, but they rarely step up at that point. The woman should be the keeper of the home. Well, then when everything blows up and sin occurs, 
Rarely does the church step up and say, hey, you don't worry about it. We got you covered. We're going to pay for everything. We're going to pay for everything. You raise your children because we believe in that. You be a keeper of the home. We believe that's where you belong. But no church, many cases, the church won't step up there. Well, now what has she got to do? She's got to go get a job. She's got to. So are you saying she's not a keeper of the home? I will say in many cases, she has to do a go above and beyond. She has to have more wisdom, more discernment than anybody else in that situation. But what I'm saying is the Bible will just say, kind of here's how it's supposed to be, but sin blows it up. Well, now what happens next? What's next? I'll give you an example. The scripture may lay out all the things a woman's supposed to do and not do, but it also lays out the qualifications for bishops and deacons. Well, there's plenty of times, like pride. A pastor is not to be prideful, right? A pastor is not to be, uh, a pastor is to be blameless. A pastor is to be, be vigilant. A pastor is to be sober. A pastor is not to be a striker. He's not to be a, a, a brawler. He's not to be covetous. Well, guess what? Pastors fall short of these things all the time. Now, in most of these cases, some of the things they fall short of, nobody really cares. But if he falls short in certain areas, then people are like, that's it, that's it. He's disqualified. He can never be in ministry again. Well, wait, wait. The scripture doesn't say, if you do this, you can never be in ministry again. It may indicate that when you're in that state, you're disqualified. But it doesn't say anything about not being restored. Peter was restored. David, even after all he did, he still wrote scripture. I mean, so, but once again, it doesn't, it just says, here's what you should do. It doesn't say, now, if you do it wrong, here's the 14, here, let's map it out. Well, let's say in a perfect world, it would be great in a world where there was no sin, no failure, everything was great, everything worked out perfectly. You could say it would be wonderful if the woman could get married, be a keeper of the home, and serve God there and do so in a God-glorifying way, in a sense, using her strengths, her skill, her wisdom, her discernment, having authority over certain aspects of what she's doing, and it would be a wonderful thing. But life doesn't always work out that way, and it blows it up. It doesn't mean the woman enters into sin in any way, shape, or form. So she says, So as she says, as a single mother who was abandoned by my husband, I had to have wisdom, discernment, and strength to raise, teach, and protect my children. Absolutely. I had to be in in the workforce to earn money to feed, clothe, and keep a roof over my children's head at the same time. In other words, I took on the role of both the father and the mother, and yet I'm told I'm not to be trusted to be in a position where I would have something to teach men. Now, I, I, yeah, I agree. Now, I believe in the church. I, I, it would have nothing to do with tr- a lack of trust. It would have nothing to do with a lack of trust. It would be God has said, here's the people who are supposed to be in charge of teaching. And the women are to learn and submission. Now, that doesn't mean the woman cannot have much say-so and add great insight and thought, and share perspectives that can have a great influence upon the teaching. There are are women who are brilliant when it comes to scripture, and they can offer their thoughts and insight, and any good pastor teacher listens to that insight, learns from that insight, but she's not doing so in a teaching capacity. She's doing, in other words, a teaching capacity as an, an official position. She's not a pastor. She's not teaching in that capacity. So it's not about a lack of trust. It's about the the structure which God has put into place. And outside the church, the woman can be in leadership. The woman can teach. The woman can have authority. Because I believe all of the structure is about what happens inside the church or the home. And the church or the home. And sadly, and How do I say this? In most cases, where the men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the home, the women have to be because they know they know far more scripture, doctrine, and theology than their husbands. And not only that, 
In many cases, the husbands completely abandon their responsibility to be the spiritual leader. Now, I think the, if, the, if the man tries, the woman, even though she knows more and maybe more, she should be humble and respectful and then allow the husband to, to try to be the spiritual leader. I, I, do, I do agree with that, but um, in most cases, the men abandon their position. So I, I don't I just this person. I, this person I think has definitely heard the woman can't be trusted, and I just think that that's I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's accurate in any way, shape, or form. All right. Um, they they go on to say, I have to admit that th- that just doesn't seem wise or just to me. I believe our God is a wise and just God, but I struggle with the biblical concept of a woman's role in the church and in the Christian life. And it says, thanks for listening. And well, no, thank you. And uh, I, 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 look, I can understand. Here's what I would say. The, the way the church is structured, it cannot be modified. I mean, I, I feel God is, I, I understand all of the arguments against it. Well, that was just Paul writing. Well, then you destroy the doctrine of inspiration. You can say, well, it was only in effect for that time. You could say that, but then you got to be real. You got to be careful because then if you say that what Paul says about women in First Timothy is is only for that time, well, then the qualifications for bishops and deacons were only for that time. Therefore, we have no no qualifications for pastors in twenty twenty two. That that see, do you end up in a hermeneutical problem? Right. So either you have to say Paul was just writing from the perspective of his time, but it wasn't inspired by God. That destroys inspiration of scripture. Or two, if you say it was only in effect for that time, then you have to throw out everything it says about men and women in 1 Timothy and the qualifications for a bishop and deacon. So then you basically just throw those books completely out of the Bible, right? Because, I mean, all of those, all of these are rules about what to do in the church. You would just throw them all, throw all the rules out. If, if the rules don't apply to women, they don't apply to anybody. So then there are no rules in how we do church. So to me, it's a hermeneutical issue. Now, do some men in leadership and ministry act like women don't know what they're talking about and treat them as insignificant and not like they have anything to contribute? Yes, unfortunately, men do that because men have egos and they can be arrogant and they're sinful and they're proud and they can be jerks, including me. I just have felt that 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 women can offer something, and that I should ask. Look, I, 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 that women should be asked the same theological questions as men. They should be given an opportunity to answer, and when they offer their thoughts or in, input in the correct setting, in other words, not from the teaching perspective, but as someone listening and asking, that that the pastor should listen to their perspective just as much. And in some cases, I tend to be more inclined to listen than I will a man because typically the woman comes at it from a much more, in most cases, a more position of humility and one who who has studied. That's what I have seen. But let's, let's remind us of something, all right? All right, let's, let's look at something, all right? Hang on, I'm going to. Let me look at something here, okay? All right. Now, okay, uh, let me see here. Look at, is it, is it Acts? Is it Acts 18? I believe it's Acts 18. I could be wrong. I believe it's Acts 18. I believe it's Acts 18. Maybe is it verse 26? All right. Um, and let's see. And a, a certain, uh, so in Acts chapter 18, verse 24, you have a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. 
whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now, that's Priscilla and Aquila, right? That, that This is a, they are a married couple who are instructing. Now, the instruction seems to happen in their home. So, but she seems to be just as much as a part of it. So, I, I don't think you could say there was would be anything wrong about that. Um, now, and Priscilla, now, now there's there's a lot of people, places where people believe Priscilla did maybe more than we, we can actually say. Uh, and I'm just looking... Uh, Acts or Acts eighteen uh, twenty eight or Acts eighteen twenty six, which we just read, um, Paul refers to Priscilla and Aquila in Romans sixteen three as his co workers in the ministry of Jesus. So Priscilla was was included in that. He didn't just say Aquila. All right, uh, there we go. So they're considered a co worker. So there there is a woman clearly named involved in some way and seems to be even involved in possibly instructing someone, but not inside the church. The church seems to have a clear structure laid out in scripture that it's the men who are to be leaders and it's the men who do the teaching. That seems to be clear. That doesn't say the, that doesn't mean the woman then has no ability to contribute. She should be, and she should be learning and participating in that learning and contributing by offering thoughts, perspective, insight, and viewpoints. And then the man, if they're even halfway smart, will listen, listen to that and use that. And, and I will even say, learn from it because it's not being done in an official teaching capacity. So why wouldn't you learn from it? Outside of the church, I believe the woman can be a CEO, leader, president, power, any, any position and have authority can teach and do what outside of the church inside the home. There's again, a structure that's biblical. The husband's supposed to be the head. The wife is supposed to be submissive, but sin blows all of these situations all up. And then sometimes it's very complicated and what to do. I believe the biblical model seems to be primarily to focus on the woman at home. Yes, I understand that. Not all situations work that way. Many cases, churches who say the woman's supposed to be in the home, she's never supposed to work out the home. Sometimes they're not the first. Well, then the church should step up and be willing to help support families so that that can happen financially. Most churches won't do that. We talk a big game, but then we won't put our money where our mouth is. I mean, we we just heard Ligonier Ministries... (laughs) Okay, the, the the producers of the Renewing Your Mind radio broadcast and podcast. We just did a I just did a, a today's focus where they just asked for five million dollars in the next what twenty nine days, twenty eight days. They need it by the end of December. Five million dollars for their radio internet ministry and maybe other ministry endeavors. But th- th- they need five million dollars. Churches want you know, millions of dollars that they can build a fellowship hall or have a playground in the church or an activity room. Well, maybe the churches, if they really are concerned about how the family structure works, we're going to have money set aside. And if there's a family who they can't, the woman can't, can't be a keeper at the home, we'll help sub, we'll subsidize their income so that she can be there. Most churches would think that's ridiculous, but then complain and yell and scream that the wife is not in the home. I think the biblical model is that that's, I think it's a wonderful model and I think it's great. I wish it would always work that way. It doesn't always work that way because of all kinds of things happening. And I don't think the woman working outside of the home should feel less than a Christian. I think she has to realize though, she still has a responsibility in the home, just like the husband has a responsibility. I just, I just, I want to just drive it home clearer that I don't think it's fair to say that the woman can't do these things because she can't be trusted or because she lacks an ability or, or no, God just says, Hey, because of what Eve did, 
This is the structure. You say, well, that's not fair. That's not right. I, I can under, you, we can make our judgment against it. We just, we may not like it, but we can't change it. Like we have no authority to change it because we, I can, look, if, if I'm going to start changing things, I'll get back to you later, right? I'll get back to, I'll get back to whoever, whoever wants to change something, I'll get back to them later because I got a million things. I, I'm going to be busy for a while, right? I'm going to start changing a whole bunch of things I don't think I like. I don't know if I'm a big fan of the concept of hell. Right? I don't think I'm a big con I'm a big fan of that concept. Oh, and there's a lot of sins I would like to commit that I don't believe God should be condemning. I don't think it's fair. So I'm going to look if when I'll get back to everyone else who wants to change the scriptures cuz I've got plenty I want to change. The point is we can't do that. So then we're bound to go, "Oh man, okay. So what is the scripture saying and do our best to figure it out?" our best to seek to obey it, even though we're going to fall short, and then see how it works out in our in, in, in a situation. So, in summary, a woman inside the church is not to assort authority over the man or to teach. She's to learn quietly, submissively. The Bible even says in silence. Doesn't mean that she cannot contribute doesn't mean that she should not be heard. Does not mean she should not be listened to. It doesn't mean that her thinking and she should be studying and participating in the studies and giving that thinking and feedback. And any spiritual person who's the man teaching should heed and listen and ask the women those theological and biblical questions and listen to what they have to say because much can be learned. But she's not doing it in, a, in an official teaching capacity. So I believe it's perfectly right and perfectly biblical. In the home, she has a position, once again, of submission to the husband. The husband is supposed to be the spiritual leader. In many cases, the husband does not meet their responsibility, and the woman has to step up. If the man is trying, then yes, she should submit to him, even if he seems more incapable than her, because that seems to be the structure. She can encourage, she can help, she can be, she can do a lot without in a, in, a, in a sense, usurping any authority, just like she can do a lot inside the church without usurping authority or, or, or coming out or, or, or doing that which is unbiblical, all right? So inside the church, inside the home, the Bible outlines the way it works, whether we like it or doesn't work. The Bible does not, I believe, anywhere, shape, or form prohibit the woman from outside of the home being in charge, teaching, having authority over a man, or anything like that. Yes, the biblical model seems to have the woman inside the home, but I don't believe it completely condemns, prohibits, or forbids the woman outside working outside of the home. It just would remind her of her responsibility within the home. Churches who are so big about the women staying at the home should step up and put their money where their mouth is and help support families so that could transpire and that could take place. But rarely does that ever occur. Right. I, I, I mean, let's just be honest with that. Let's just be honest with that. I, and nobody likes that, but it's just the truth. All right. It, it's just it's what should take place. I don't believe the women, uh, these so-called restrictions on women inside the church has anything to do with their lacking ability, discernment, intelligence or spirituality. We see Priscilla very much involved in the ministry of Paul, even involved in instructing, but it wasn't happening inside the church in an official church capacity. Uh, there's plenty of places where the woman should be listened to and heard. She, her thoughts should be considered and listened to. She can contribute to the ministry. She can make you better preacher. She can make you a better teacher. You should listen and consider. I think I've tried to consider, I think I've tried to consider every aspect there. Now, this doesn't go necessarily to the abuse situation, but it tries to deal a little bit with the submission situation and where it applies and where it doesn't apply. I think I summarized everything. I think. And I know we just kind of walk through this in a talking way. We didn't, I didn't try to just say point one, point one, point two, point three, but I wanted to, again, I, I go back to my introduction I like it to be very real. Like we're just, like I'm just here behind the microphone trying to figure this same thing out as you're trying to figure it out. 
and it's no, there's no easy answers. No easy answers. But very important questions. And I pre- appreciate the emailer. They're the reason I'm doing this. They're like, once again, I'm, I'm listening to someone who emailed me who's a woman who this very much motivated this entire, this entire series wouldn't have even happened most likely if it wasn't for that email. So I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. And if they have their thoughts and perspectives on this, I'm really willing to hear them out. They have question about if they have an interpretation of the scripture, I'm going to hear them out. You should never, I tried to, I, I, you should never disregard anyone's thoughts, opinions on anything re- related to scripture based off their, their gender. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant to the subject in this particular case. Only thing that matters is that the church is structured a certain way. It's, and that's the way it has to work. Uh, I, I don't see where we can modify it. I don't see where we can change it. I don't understand it. Like, I, I mean, I, I mean, look, I'll just be honest. I don't understand it. Makes no sense to me. I mean, look how bad uh, I'm speaking of myself here. Look how bad us men, speaking of myself, have messed up and made so many mistakes in ministry. Women would probably do it better. But God chose the foolish, chose the weak. I think that describes many of us men. That's how he structured it. I don't understand it. But that's the way it is. All right. An hour-long discussion of so many issues. We'll see what happens. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Based off feedback, based off questions, We may look specifically at those questions or specifically at a scripture someone mentions. If not, well, we'll see how we delicately proceed in this very important series. Again, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.